0: We'll go ahead and get started with our final session of our time together. You've almost endured to the end, but this is a very important uh, session. I mentioned to you this morning when we went over the schedule that we would have this session for our new policies and procedures for emergency preparedness. I think uh, you would all agree that that is an important issue, and it has an umbrella, as you will see, that covers a lot of uh, circumstances. And it's not just some of the things that have been in the headlines uh, of late, though it would include that, but your more run-of-the-mill issues like just a a health emergency or something like that. And so we've established some policies and procedures to address those various contingencies. And the fellow who's really put a ton of time into this, and I've got to say has just done excellent, absolutely excellent work with it, as you will see, is uh, Brother Wayne Wayne Albright. And Wayne is, at the risk of embarrassing him like I did David, is another example of somebody who, in life circumstance, still has said, I'm going to prioritize this and, and put in a bunch of time to making this a very excellent product. Uh, he's the proud father for a second time now, just this uh, past week. And uh, here, having uh, had uh, their, their baby uh, come into the world this week, he's still here and is going to be here uh, next week as well to make the uh, same presentation to. The next group. So, I appreciate very much Wayne the work you put into it, and uh, Wayne's got a very good presentation for you. And hopefully, at the end, we'll have some time for any questions you all might have. All right,
1: I do appreciate the time uh, Pastor Ken gave me to come and speak to you. Obviously, like he said, this is a very important issue uh, that we're going to discuss. This, hence, the uh, the hour that he's given me today and, and next week. I'd like to start out by telling you we do have Pastor Ken and myself one area that's different. Um, obviously, we've got a bunch of areas, but one that I would like to tell you, obviously, Pastor Kent has been speaking and preaching and teaching in front of people for, what, 20 years? At least 20 years? Um, obviously, very good at what he does. And uh, I, on the other hand, am not a public speaker. Um, I have done a few public engagements when I was in the canine unit as a police officer, but most of the attention was with my dog and not focused on me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, most of my uh, teaching or, or actually speaking, I call a lecture or an interrogation, and uh, and those people are not free to leave. So, so if you think that you can actually get up and leave, I I do have another uh, a surprise. Mike Calabrese is also one of our security directors, and he is at, at the back, and he will implement some of our some of our policies and procedures if you try to get out of here. All right, so. But uh, on a serious note, we do have a, I'm going to throw out a lot of information at you today. I in no way to expect you to, re, to be able to uh, get all this and, re, and retain it. Uh, there's two things that I would like to accomplish, though. One, when you come out of here today, I'd like you to have a, a kind of an understanding of what our security is going to be for the church. And the reason why is because you've got to have that base understanding. We are going to, now and forever, rehearse it and review With all the different departments of the church, all the time, because it's not enough to just learn something once. When you don't use it, you forget it, Um, and that's one of the things that, as police officers, we train and train and train on shooting and tactical situations because you don't get to shoot somebody every day, all right. So you have to, you have to, you have to train all the time, all right, in case you have to use that. And it's the same principle here. We're gonna, we want to get a base. Uh, understanding of our security system. And then every few months, we'll go around to the different departments during Sunday school or during church and take one minute or take three minutes with somebody and, and review, hey, here's our evacuation plan. Do you remember which door you're going out of? All right, but we wanted to get through this first. Uh, the other thing that I want to accomplish today is that once you leave, I want everybody to actually have a, a, a peace and a calm to know that the church has realized that this is an important issue, and it is a ministry, as Pastor Ken's been talking about, and that um, you're in the ministry, you've got children that are in other areas of the the church. I want you to feel safe and knowing that we've done everything possible that we can to ensure your safety. And and I'm not just talking about in a threat or a situation like that, but any type of uh, injury or anything like that. And you're going to see as we go along throughout the rest of the hour uh, what I'm talking about. Um, So right off the bat, some of you might be thinking, too, I'm not a security officer, or I haven't been picked, which uh, on a side note, we have about 12 men in the church who are uh, part of our security team, and you're going to meet them, at least their names. You'll know who they are in just a few minutes. Um, But you're saying to yourself, why do I need to be involved in this? Well, again, I think it's important for everybody to be involved. Um, Security issue for the church can't rely on just 12 people. Uh, it, it, it needs to be everybody, because there's a lot of things that you can do uh, on the sidelines, and you're going to see in just a few minutes how you can help out. So uh, the first question that we really need to answer, again, that might, some people might have, is why? Why the need for security? All right, I, I did it right. All right? Um, you know, although I don't like to think about it, acts of violence um, are occurring within the church walls, and it's sometimes it's something that we need to, to watch out for, all right? And we're obligated to prepare for Basically, the age we live in, um, anything can happen. Twenty and thirty years ago, you never, ever would have expected a church shooting or somebody coming into the church and assaulting somebody else. But if you go online this afternoon and type in church assaults or church shootings, you're going to spend the rest of the night reading because they're all the time. In fact, just this last week, we had there was another one in Indiana. And just a tragedy. Could it have been avoided? You know, I don't know. But the 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 uh, idea is that it's out there, and we need to prepare for it. Um, I think. There you go. I think the Bible talks about it too. Uh, Proverbs twenty-two, three: The wise man foresees danger and plans ahead, but the simpleton plunges forward and suffers the consequences. Um, I, along with the word simpleton, I would also like to throw in, being naive. I think a lot of churches, and I'm not picking on Baptist churches. I think churches in general, they believe that once people enter the church, that's a that's a sanctuary. You're going there to worship, you're going there to meet friends and to fellowship, and nothing happens. All right, and they don't like to talk about this issue that's taboo. I mean, somebody coming into the church and assaulting you, or somebody coming in with a gun. but the reality is, that it happens, and you, we cannot be naive as a church. And I, and I commend Pastor Can and the deacons for addressing this issue because it is a sensitive one. But we do need to we do need to talk about it. Uh, real quick, another verse, Matthew 10:16 talks about us being sheep in the midst of wolves. And how true is that? Um, you know, the earth or the world is going downhill rapidly. Uh, the values continue to slip. We're trying to stay up here with our Christian values. And unfortunately, we are cheap in the midst of wolves, even in church. Um, Our church is not susceptible or is not immune, I should say, to some problem coming inside the church. Um, So what are the facts? Uh, There are a few facts that we're going to go over about assaults. And again, I'm starting off with the uh, uh, criminal aspect. There we go. Starting off with the criminal aspect, but we have a lot more that we're going to talk about. Um, but here are some of, the f- some of the facts. Acts of violence are on the increase in churches and in other public places. And I could spend 15 minutes on why, but the bottom line is it's just, we'll just chalk it up to the depravity of man. Um, uh, these violent acts a lot of times include robbery, assault, religious-motivated crimes, and domestic relationships gone bad. And, again, we're, we're getting into an issue that's kind of embarrassing to talk about. Churches don't like to talk about domestic issues um, because you want to think of your church and your congregation as that doesn't affect you. But in reality, it does. Um, you know, uh, domestic relationships, uh, bad ones. I know you talked to Mike and myself. We've been police officers combined for 25 years. And usually that's that we see the worst in people is in domestic situations. People do things that they normally wouldn't ever do in their life in that type of situation, using the children against the other, Um, the the things that are said, the mental and physical and and verbal abuse that goes on is is unbelievable. And that still can enter into the church. Um, And so that probably is one of the biggest things that we have to worry about. And let me give you an example of that. Um, Let's say the children's ministry, the, the nursery... And we have a family that, that might be going through that struggle. And the wife, and I'm going to just use the wife, it could go either other way, but the wife has sole custody of the children because of abusive relationship. And now the husband comes into church in the middle of the services, and we've seen him before, he's been here a couple times, and he says, hey, I'm here to pick up the kids. And so right now, okay, here's your children, and now he leaves. Well, now we've created a problem because he doesn't have custody of the children. All right, The wife does and because of the physical or mental abuse that, that's going on. So we've kind of aided in that problem. If we knew about that ahead of time, our security team could actually uh, help out in that situation. So that's how a domestic relationship could actually interfere and, 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 uh, and be a safety concern. Um, there we go. The majority of violent acts, they are carried out by people who have a former connection or a current connection to the church. Now that's not always true. Obviously this last week blew that one this that last one out of the water. Because this guy apparently was a stranger in Indiana, walked into church and walked up to the pulpit and shot the pastor. Alright. So that is a that's an exception. But most of the time uh they have some type of connection to the church. Whether it's a a, a A a member that was excommunicated for various reasons, somebody that left the church because he doesn't agree with the total doctrine, or has a has just a uh, a clash personality-wise with the pastor or with other people. You you know, church splits happen a lot because of that very reason. So, um, a lot of times, this is this is one of the things. Most of the time, they have a uh, a connection with the church, and there are certain warning signs. Uh, and they should be taken very seriously and communicated to those responsible for t- protecting the church, which would be the security team or somebody on the pastoral staff, which would then, in turn, talk to the security team about that. But, um, you know, one of the warning signs, for instance, of this uh, this instance that happened back in Indiana this week, um, you know, that the church service had started well on its way. And in fact, the pastor was already speaking, which means it would be, 20 to 30 minutes into it, and a stranger, which we know because we talk, they talked to some people that didn't recognize this guy, walking down the center aisle. Now, raise your hands. Does, does that draw any red flags to anybody? <laughs> anybody would look at that, and especially in our service, because even before the service starts, we can't get anybody to walk down and sit in the front. All right, so <laughs> let alone 30 minutes into it. So 30 minutes into the service, you have somebody walking down an aisle. Now, this was a rather large church, so you could probably double the aisle from our church, double the size, uh, the length of it. So you've got countless people looking at this guy during the message thinking, something's wrong, there's the indicator, because that is not normal. People don't walk to the front during the service, especially a visitor. They're going to sit in the back. They don't want to draw attention to each other, to themselves. So if they had a security team in place... Throughout the church, and that was one of the things that they talked about, maybe they could have gotten up and grabbed a hold of that guy and asked him what's going on. Now, could they have stopped it? I don't know. This guy had one mission, and that was to shoot somebody. All right, It was only God, by God's grace that there was only one person shot, because if anybody knows anything about guns, he had automatic, semi-automatic gun with three full clips, which is 30 rounds. Semi-automatic guns don't jam very often, and his did. So he only shot one person. And they did have a couple people that tried to jump on him and get hurt. But I don't know if they had any policies in place to see, hey, this, this isn't right. There's a, there's a warning sign right there. What about somebody that stands up in the service and starts wanting to talk back to the pastor? Uh, anybody think that's kind of weird? Is that person maybe a little bit unstable? And should that be taken care of immediately? And that person escorted out of the building and then find out what is his problem? Exactly. Uh, I grew up in inner city and this happened... Uh, on quite, quite a few times. I, I can remember two or three different times. And back then, again, you didn't hear about church shootings and you didn't have anything in place. So somebody would stand up in the service and start talking to the pastor directly and nobody knew what to do. They just froze, hoping that the guy would sit down. Well, you've already created disturbance. You already know somebody's disturbed because they've stood up and, stood up and done that. So you've got to look out for the warning signs. And, uh, and again, most churches are unprepared to recognize, prevent, and respond to acts of violence, medical emergencies, or an evacuation. And we're going to touch on all these issues. So we're, I'm not just talking about assaults on a church. We're looking at the whole whole vast spectrum of fire emergencies, uh, evacuations, tornado drills, everything we've tried to think about to keep you safer than you were six months ago or even last week at the church. So um, again, in this last one, It's kind of a tough subject to to sell at a church because it's not, you're not, we might not use this for a long time. We might never have to use these principles and policies that we're putting in place. I hope we don't have to. But unlike another ministry, of uh, children's ministry or putting on a vacation Bible school in the summertime and you're bringing kids in, you can see results. With here, with a ministry such as this, a security ministry, you're not going to see results. We're behind the scenes. And hopefully, we'll, you will never have to see the results. All right? But we want to have them in place just in case we have to. So what can we do as a church to prepare? Uh, first of all, that's what we're doing here. Any type of preparation begins with uh, education and awareness. Today, we're educating you. Um, hopefully, you will walk out of here more aware of certain things than you were when you came in here today. More aware of your surroundings. Um, I like to think uh, police officers, a lot of times we're, we're trained and we get paid to be observers. We're trained observers is what they call us. And it becomes instinctive. Um, I, know, I know for sure, Mike and myself, because we've been doing it long enough, that we can be sitting relaxed at the uh, church functions, at the Labor Day picnic, sitting there eating, and you have no idea that we're actually scanning where the kids are playing, uh, scanning the outer perimeter where there's other people walking around because it's not, a, it's not a controlled environment. And we have lots of kids that are playing over there right outside the doors here. Um, and you don't know that we're being a, we're aware of everything that's going on, even though it doesn't look like we are. And that's just because we're trained to do that. Some mothers have that instinct and uh, more than fathers. And mothers are always watching out for their children no matter where they are. Um, I know my wife is. So, But wouldn't you rather have, if, for instance, your child is playing on the monkey bars and fell, wouldn't you rather have, instead of just two sets of eyes kind of glancing at him and being aware of where he is, wouldn't you rather have 40 or 50 sets of eyes that every once in a while are glancing and checking out the area, seeing if there's an adult, someone that we don't know, a stranger that's just lurking around the playground area? Would that throw a red flag up to anybody? You can't, he, is he not really with a child? He's just kind of walking around? Sure. And this is one of the things that we want to get. We want you to be more aware. And then in that particular situation, you would contact one of the security officers that out of the 12 that we have, there's bound to be a few of them that will always be at some function or another that you could tell, oh, look, this guy just doesn't seem right. What I want to get across to everybody is go with your gut instinct. Don't be embarrassed to, to talk to somebody about an issue that you think is a little bit weird. Uh, come come to us with anything, and then we'll investigate it. We'll check it out. We need to recognize potential escalating events within the church. And again, um, we're talking about domestic issues, uh, anything like that. You know, if if you're involved in domestic issues, um, maybe it's your responsibility to come and say, Hey, look, you know, I have sole custody of the children. And this is just an example. You could take it and, and go farther with this. But you need to tell somebody. I got sole custody of the children, and, and, uh, and I just want the security team to be aware of that. So in case something happens, you need to come and get me. It's all about communication. Um, and what we did is we prepared a list of possible scenarios. How we came up with this in the, in the program and our policies and procedures is actually I'll, I'll take a step back. Cliff Banks, who is obviously one of our deacons, came to me m- months and months ago. Now, Cliff's been doing the security in our church for a while, and what his job was is just to look at the front door, and if there was a problem, yell help, all right? <laughs> because, again, there was no procedures and policies in place, and, and he's not, he doesn't know what to do, but he obviously was smart enough and, and had had some talks with Pastor and realized that this is something that we needed to do, all right? So we got a group, of there was six eight of us, of uh, some leaders in the church, and we got together and we started brainstorming, all right, what are some problems and then here, what is the solution to the problem? What if there's a fire? What are we going to do about a fire in the building? So this is how we came up with our solutions. And we we came up with possible scenarios, and then we established a list of personnel and what their tasks will be during that incident. It's not good enough just to say, all right, we got a fire, um, so we're going to evacuate. No, you got to get real specific because um, otherwise you're still going to have chaos. Um, we like to call it controlled chaos. Because it doesn't matter. If you're in a fire, it's going to be chaotic. But we want to control that. And the only way to do that is to uh, have a list of people and their specific jobs. So we created a response plan. Obviously, um, let me back up a second. Some of the things that we're going to go over the rest of the time are, again, the physical security of the building. We're going to go over medical emergencies and a response plan for that. We're going to go over um, educating and training the staff for different scenarios and an emergency action plan. Uh, So those are some of the things that we're going to do as quick as we can. Uh, Creating a response plan. It begins with formulating a security team to identify potential problems or threats. And the team um, includes members of the church uh, that are skilled in the medical field as well as law enforcement. And that's what we've done. Uh, We took a look at the church, and we have a very good uh, group of people that we could pick from. Uh, again, Mike and myself w- with law enforcement experience and we have six or seven that have medical experience that are trained medical professionals that are really going to come in handy. So that's, uh, that's what we did to, uh, to form a response plan. Let's see what we got here. I got ahead of myself and forgot to do this. This is things that we're discussing on the rest of our time. We came up with policy, uh, a policy and procedure, and we have a mission statement. It's very simple, but the security team will provide for the physical safety and security of the church, staff, and congregation while present at CBC and during the other church functions. And the medical team will provide basic medical aid, to those in need until such time as medical professionals arrive on scene. Um, So we have six objectives in uh, in trying to accomplish this in our policies and procedures. The first one is the operation of the security team. Um, This will be conducted behind the scenes as as visible as possible. You're not going to see all of a sudden next week um, guys walking around in blue blazers with security tags. As much as Steve wants to carry nunchucks, he's not going to be able to. Okay? Because he's asked me a couple times, and I'm starting to think I don't know if I should have asked him on the team or not. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we, we want to blend in. We are not, uh, we're not going to be in the forefront. In fact, does anybody know that for the last six weeks we've had security in place? Does, does anybody know that? We've had people manned. We've had somebody at the main door, and we've had somebody in the lobby area, and they also have walkie-talkies. And we have a walkie-talkie, and I'll explain the, the radio system in just a minute. So we are behind the scenes because you didn't even know that was going on. And we haven't even conducted our training yet with the security personnel. Um, the second one is to minimize liability. Uh, the, these policies and procedures are, are being designed to avoid risk and minimize liability. In other words, it's, again, it's not enough to say if there's a fire in the building, we want everybody to go out the front doors. That's too general. We have to be very specific in, in all of our tasks so that we can minimize the liability um, and minimize people getting hurt. We want to provide a safe environment at Community Baptist Church and minimize the risk of potential harm to the staff and congregation caused by a criminal assault. And that, again, is going to be with uh, the training that we're going to give our security team and, again, you people that are just uh, the regular workers and teachers and people in the, in the service also being observant and going with your gut instinct and, and making us aware of a potential problem that you might think is a problem. Oops, went the wrong way. Um, third one, or fourth one, is we're providing basic medical care uh, to the congregation until EMS can arrive on scene. We, again, have a good medical staff. In a little bit, we're going to show you some items that we have purchased for the church to help us aid in that in, your, in the, um, the safety uh, of the congregation. We have an evacuation plan in place, and we wanted to assist in the safe and calm evacuation of the staff and congregation during a crisis or a security breach. And that would be the fire drill or a fire or tornado assault on the congregation, things like that. Um, and we have specific jobs that are assigned to our personnel. In other words, we have to have these in place because, again, you could have chaos if you didn't have specific doors stop, uh, shut down and people in place to tell you exactly what to do in a crisis. Um, we want to control that chaos. So from our policies and procedures, we came up with a standard operating procedure. And this is intended, standard operating procedure is intended to provide a detailed approach to the security of the church uh, these security measures are being implemented to reduce the risk of potential threat or disaster. Now, I want you to see... is it Yes, reduce is capitalized. I want to make a point of that. When, by putting these in place, these policies and procedures we're doing, we are not telling you that we can guarantee the safety of everybody at the church because that's just impossible. We cannot plan for every type of situation. We can plan for the major ones, and then you have to improvise after that. But what we're telling you is that by putting these things in place, we're reducing that risk. So let me give you an example. Let's go back to a fire. Let's say we're in the middle of church, and your kids are in the Sunday school rooms, and uh, the building alarms go off, and you can smell the smoke, and now you start seeing it in the hallways. Is that possible? Sure is, in any building. Uh, By the way, everybody knows that the smoke will kill you before you'll ever see flames. So the fact that you don't see fire doesn't matter. So um, I take it all the parents in the room your first instinct will be to get out of the building first, right? Yeah. To save yourself? <laughs> no, mine neither. All right? I'm going to find my children. All right? What happens when you start running through the hallways and they're, filled with, they're starting to fill with smoke and you come to realize that you don't really know what room your children are in? Right now we have a unique situation because we're spread out. And the, uh, and the school, although it's very nice, it's a maze. There's hallways everywhere. It won't be like that when we have our own church, but these principles will still apply. So now you've gone to a room that you think your kids are at, but there's nobody in the room, and you're panicking. So you have to get out because the smoke's getting bad, and now you're outside, and you don't see your kids, and you're panicking more. But you didn't realize that they already got out of the building to another accident, and they're on the other side of the building. And they're panicking because they can't find you. All right, Do you see the problem there? Now we have, we have implemented a policy and procedures that when we do have a fire, or if we ever did that we have four or five men they are going to escort the main body of our church out one door, and they know what door it is. They also have a secondary door if that one's blocked. While that's happening, we have men that are going, along with the Sunday school workers that will be trained, and they're getting your children out a separate doorway, only to meet up with you in the very location, the same location that you're going to be at. Everyone meets in the same parking lot, the parking lot across the street um, of, where, of the main doors. So, Not only are all your kids getting out at the same time you are, we have some of our security personnel that are actually checking the bathrooms and the hallways. We actually have people in place that are double-checking the rooms. Uh, You know, the we call them pods, and you're going to see them in a little bit. I call it a pod because there's four rooms that are connected. The baby nursery has the one- and two-year-olds, three-and-four, and and then the kindergarten and first grade. They're all together, and there's a door 10 feet from them. So we have somebody that's actually going to go and assist those workers and somebody else is going to come through and just double-check. We've put checks and balances in there to try to get everybody out. And that's why I say by putting policies and procedures in place, we are reducing the risk of any potential problem. Um, There is a chain of command. Uh, Obviously, the pastor is our leader. Everything does go through the pastor. But as he said uh, before he left, he, a lot of people have a lot of responsibilities. He's at the top of the list as far as responsibilities. So he doesn't need to know all the, all the issues of the security staff. That's why we've created security directors. Uh, myself and Mike Calabrese are the security directors that are going to oversee the uh, operations of the, the security team. We're also going to be responsible for all the training that's involved, not only with the security team, but we'll be responsible for the training that goes on that's even one or two minutes that we will be going around to Sunday school classes every once in a while to double-check to make sure that the teachers are aware of what's going on. They're still aware of the, the exit they're supposed to use and some of the procedures. Um, from there, it's the security team, which, again, have uh, there's 10 other men, including Mike and myself, which makes 12. Um, and then we have teachers that are there. Obviously, our teachers play a big role. You're, the, you're in the classroom first. Whether it's going to be a lockdown, which I'll explain in a little bit, that's an extreme emergency, um, which would be maybe a shooting situation or some type of violent act, where over the radio system lockdown can be called. All right. So the teachers have a big role to know what lockdown is, or to know when if if the emergency alarms are going off, they got to know where to go with your children. Uh, so teachers do play a big role, uh, and then with the chain of command, the only the only thing that. Uh, Go through these. The, only, the only people that would supersede this chain of command would actually be police presence. Uh, at this time, it would be Woodhaven police. If they arrived on scene and gave you a direct order, that would supersede anything that we're doing on the inside. We're not on duty. Um, you do want to respect and obey the, the you know, police officers that are giving you uh, commands. The only way you would not is if you know their direct order is going to somehow harm you or somebody else that they're unaware of. All right, but you do want to listen to them. Uh, So police is the next one, and this would be report versus no report. So in the event of a disaster or assault where the police are called on scene, um, the security directors or a security team member is going to give all relevant information to the police, and then they in turn will decide whether a report is going to be needed. So uh, let's take an example on this. Again, going back to our uh, picnic, and you see an adult that comes up to the children. And that's kind of weird. And then you have reports. The child comes back and said, said that this guy said some inappropriate things to us, to the kids. Right away, our security team would, would uh, try to uh, react, probably try to detain this guy. Police would be called immediately. All this information would be, need to be discussed with the police right away. This is the child that he talked to. This is what was said to him. And then the police will do their checks and and then they will decide whether a report would be necessary or not. In this instance, definitely they would would take a report in that type of scenario. Um, Non-armed security team members. Nobody on the staff. Nobody, unfortunately, Steve, did you read that? Nobody's going to be carrying guns, knives, tasers, mace, brass knuckles, anything like that. We're not not here to uh, say that the church has a big problem because we don't. So that's not necessary, not to mention it's just a big liability, uh, because any one of these things you have to have extensive training on before you can even use it. And then even if you did use it, you're still liable for it. So uh, the only people that are going to be armed are are state-certified or police officers, which at this point Mike and myself are the only ones that are uh, state-certified police officers. And... um, I know because I've talked to him uh, we, we carry guns probably 98% of the time anyway and that's just because we've done it for so long, we've arrested so many people that we never know when we're going to come into contact with the people that we've arrested. So uh, you're out with your family and it only makes sense that we have to protect our families and ourselves. Um, so we're the only ones that actually are going to be carrying it and and to be honest the, this is such a small percentage of what we're actually talking about You'll you know the fact that this will probably never happen, but we do want to be prepared if it did. I know that church in Indiana never ever thought that that would happen to them, but it did. Uh, dress and appearance. I did. I did mention this again, but we're not gonna. You're not gonna know we're here, all right? We don't have blazers. We're not gonna be wearing camouflage, anything like that. Um, we do want to blend in. We want to. We don't want to disrupt anything that goes on at the church. We will have a rotating list. You're never going to see the same people in the back. I don't think that's fair. Most of the men on our security team have other jobs, as Pastor said, you know, just a a little bit ago. There's a lot of other things going on, and it's not fair for them to be to be manning the door or the main security all the time. So we'll have a rotating list. You'll never see the same people back there, but they're all trained the same way. All right, we do have on-site communications. And you will see it. There's little. They're little two-way radios. They're the ones that you can buy anywhere. And they. Uh, so you sometimes will hear some other communication going on uh, because you're picking up. You're picking up other people talking on their radios. So we're still looking into that. But we have two-way radio communication. This is going to be for uh, non-essential communication. Oh, I'm sorry. Radios are to be used in a professional manner, and they're they're not going to be used for just talking back and forth. All right. That's obviously. Probably didn't have to say that um, because we're, we are in church, but um, they're going to be used just for the uh, professional way, and radios are going to be used for basically emergency situations between the different areas of the church. Um, and for instance, well, we're going to go over radios in just a minute. So the uh, general assignments, again, we're going to provide defensive protection to all people on the premises during church and in special events. Um, we're going to man this, the main lobby area, the doors. We right now have two doors that are always open, but ten minutes after the service starts, the door on the uh, the west side of the building gets locked. And so you can only come and go through the main entrance. Now, you could leave any building, any door, but you can't get back in. So that's just a security issue that we've added so that we're watching just one door. So during the service, when everything's quiet and there's not too many people in the hall, we're not getting a stranger coming in from a door that we don't know, and we can't... Uh, we can't tell what's going on. Um, we're going to provide medical aid, and again, we'll show that in just a few minutes. I think we've we've done some good things that are going to be you're going to be happy about to see. Um, security breach, lockdown is a uh, it, it's a kind of a scary issue to talk about, and again, this is one of those issues that probably will never happen. But this is one of the issues that we have to talk about and remind our workers and our teachers every so often, so they remember what they're going to do. So should a security breach occur, 911 is going to be called immediately. Uh, security personnel will take action according to radio, radio protocol, whether a lockdown is ordered or an evacuation. Um, in the event of a lockdown, as teachers, you're going to lock the door to the uh, to the room and all I think all the doors have the windows that are, you can still peek in. So the object is to get all the kids or whoever's in the room on the same walls as the door. Sitting down so that if somebody were to pass by the door, they cannot see anybody in the room. And then you're going to keep that door locked until you are told by security personnel that you can, you can recognize their voice or uh, police that come to the door and tell you it's okay to go ahead and open the door. You're going to stay locked down. That's exactly what it's for. Uh, 911 wall, one, 911. I'm sure everybody knows. In the event of emergency, 911 gets directly dispatched to Woodhaven, where we're at now, Woodhaven Police Department, and you're, you're on the line with a dispatcher. If you're the person that calls for whatever emergency, if somebody, uh, if somebody was hurt, um, you need to give as much information to that dispatcher as possible. They're going to dispatch the fire department and police, but in that meantime, when, when the professionals are arriving, you can still be giving information to them. And it's vital information about uh, the victim or a suspect, uh, uh, a description of them. And you want to stay on that line, unless the dispatcher tells you to hang up. And a lot of people, we get this all the time. And, uh, um, Mike probably has hundreds of stories. You call, you pick up 911, and somebody says, "I need the police," and then they hang up. And that's all you have. So you have no idea why they need you. Or uh, luckily, 911, uh, an address comes up. But if it's a cell phone, you have no idea where they're at. So you got to stay calm, and if you're the one calling, you just stay in line. Give as much information as you can. Um, in your packet, you have a list of phone numbers. Uh, I, I strongly urge everybody in the room to at least put some of these numbers in your phone. And the reason why is because uh, during an emergency, you're going to need some of these numbers. We won't always have a two-way radio system. Sometimes they won't work. Sometimes you need to go hold of a, a specific person. I would suggest, you know, three or four of the security personnel, a couple of the medical personnel. Um, at the bottom, you see poison control in there, which is just something that's always good to have on your phone in the Woodhaven Police Department. Now, everybody programs their phones differently, but I would urge you to program them one way. Um, the reason why is right now in a nice, relaxed environment, if I were to ask Zach, hey man, can you give me a call? He would flip his phone open and say, oh, yeah, W, and hit W, scroll down. Ah, there's Wayne. Let me call him. Or maybe he has under A for Albright. And he's nice and relaxed. It's no big deal. You know my name. What happens in a stressful situation? There's certain things that happen to your body. Number one, tunnel vision, where you actually lose some of your vision and mental capacity. You forget things. You never think it would happen. But if anybody's ever been involved in a very stressful situation, you're going to lose some of that. The other thing that you lose is finger dexterity. It's, it's scientific. You can't avoid it. So that particular call that you just made to me a few minutes ago, no big deal, now you're under stress, and now you can't remember if you put me under W or if you put me under A. And I guarantee you're going to pick the wrong one first. And then you're going to have to scroll through W to look for me, but you pass it up. Because you can't think it, and you're fumbling around with your fingers. That's why in movies everybody get angry at the guy that runs to the or the girl that runs to the car and can't get the key in the car and drops it. And you think it's always set up. Why can't you just put the key in the car? Because you can't. Because you're losing you're losing that fine those fine motor skills. And it's the same way with the phone. So what I suggest to avoid that is you can use any 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 letter to set it up. On my phone, it's C for community. In an emergency, I'm going to go to C, and then C, slash, and then everybody's name. So I've got it there. I can scroll down, and I can pick anybody I want because they're all grouped together. We all have different names or different last names, so you'd have to jump all over your phone to find somebody. Now they're all together. So it's a lot easier. It might still be a little bit difficult because you're under that stress, but you're alleviating a lot of the stress. Everything's together. So you pick how you want to do it. If you want to put it under E for emergency um, or C for community, slash, and then use either first names or last names. Uh, Don't mix it up because you're going to forget when you need that when you're in a crisis. Um, And last on this, the policy and procedures, we have designated a central meeting place for everybody. We're going to, have to, we're going to have to jump on this. We're getting behind. We have uh, radio procedures. The reason for the radio procedures is they've been created in order to standardize the way we communicate on our two-way radios and help alleviate any misunderstandings during communications, especially during critical times. Sorry, that was supposed to be up there. That's for the radio. Um, We want to make sure nobody else is talking. This is what we do. Make sure nobody else is talking on the radio. These have a little, they're little small two-way radios, but you have to key up the mic first. And it's the little button you push before you talk. Okay? So you've got to give it a second. If you don't, you're going to cut off the beginning of your transmission. So, and by the way, the reason why we're going through this is because all, all our security personnel, anybody that works in the nurseries or the little kids' ministries, has access to the radio and could or need to use it. So you need to have this down. Just going to help, help with things. Um, what you want to do first is you want to state your name, uh, or what department you're with, and who you're calling. In other words, uh, hey, door security to lobby security, or nursery to the lobby security. Uh, this has already worked a couple times. Tracy's called from the nursery, needed somebody, and uh, we're able to get some get a mother back to her uh, a lot quicker than she would be able to just walk up. Uh, next, you want to let the person know who you're calling. Let them respond. All right. Go ahead, nursery. This is security. The reason why you're doing that is because you don't want to go off with this long, drawn-out, detailed message if you you couldn't even get a hold of somebody or they're not listening. So wait to hear them. You want to state who you are um, and and what you what you want to communicate. So I need, you know, Michelle. Her daughter's crying and needs to be fed. As simple as that. And instead of Tracy coming from the nursery, which takes 90 seconds, and then getting somebody out and going back 90 seconds, that's a minute and a half, we can cut that time drastically down, and it could be used for all sorts of emergencies. Um, you know, at this point, then you say copy on the other end of the line. Yep, I copy. Uh, or repeat. It's very simple. Then the person on the other end of the mic, uh, radio knows, well, I better repeat what I'm saying because they didn't understand. Um, there's some uh, radio language. And meetings, copy, means that you are acknowledging and understand the request. Repeat again. You didn't hear what was going on. Lockdown. Again, this is an extreme emergency situation. You're going to lock your door to the classroom. You're going to get down on the floor away from the door and windows so that nobody can see you. And that door is not unlocked until police ask you to or the security department. Code blue. Uh, Is we only have a couple of these codes and this is one of the things that we're going to go over with people because the more you listen to it, the more you read it it'll become second nature but cold blue means you need immediate security help Uh, blue, police blue, that's why we go with cold blue Um, and you can't explain yourself what what would be this Uh, this would be again that domestic that the father came in and he's demanding his children I'm picking up the kids well you don't want to get on the radio and say hey I got a father here that's wanting to get his kids I don't think uh, he's supposed to have them you know, you're just going to get a mad. All right, you're going to get a mad. Does he know what cold blue is? And we have a number of, what, three or four people that are working in the nursery, and you can communicate with them, and somebody gets on the radio, cold blue nursery. All right, and now we have two or three security officers going back to deal with the situation. And then whether the police will be called, that will be up to security. Uh, and medical emergency. You might be doing CPR on somebody, and you can't get on the radio and explain, hey, i got so-and-so here, and, and I think he stopped breathing about a minute ago. All right? <laughs> not good. But medical emergency to the nursery. You know, the medical staff and the security staff will know to grab the medical kit and immediately get there. And there's, we're not wasting time. Um, we have... Let's go through. Our security directors are myself and Mike Calabrese. We have a security... And I'm not going to go through because we are way behind on time. Um, I'm not going to go through a list. You already know kind of what we're doing. Um, We're in charge of the uh, the security team. We're going to be doing, Mike's looking into background investigations now on new people that come to the church that we don't know that would like to be in children's ministries. All right? Obviously, there's a waiting period now that was already established. I think it's six months. And obviously, you have to be a member of the church. But we want to go a step farther and just check on these people. And it's a a voluntary thing. They know we're going to do a check on them. But Mike's looking into that now on uh, how detailed we can get on our investigation and, and checking into somebody. Here's our list of people that are on our security team right now. Um, and you, there's a few of them here. These guys are going to be doing some additional training on, uh, that we're going to handle here in the near future, but they will be trained in a little bit more than what we're doing now on how to deal with certain issues, how to talk to people, and uh, things like that. Here's our medical team. Um, and we are very fortunate. Uh, Peter Stevens, a doctor, and then the rest of these people are all certified nurses that are all trained in uh, CPR, the use of a, a defibrillator, um, and advanced, actually advanced training, so we're very blessed in that. Some of the things that we have uh, that we looked into and that we actually have are purchasing as we speak, we're going to be getting an AD, an automatic external defibrillator, Anybody that's ever heard of these or known them, this is a lifesaver. This is far better than CPR. Um, these do save lives. Very, very important to have. Um, this particular model, I think, is the one we're going to get. It has a lot of extra bells and whistles. We were able to get a really good deal on it. It is brand new, but it does come with a metal box. When we get our own church, we'll be able to actually mount that in a central location, and it's, and it's locked up nice and tight, and it can be used in a moment's notice. These are very easily be to be trained on, and in our yearly training, we'll probably review that with everybody. Um, we won't have everybody lie down and, and hook them up, but, you know. but uh, one of the other things that we're getting, a complete BLS emergency kit. It contains pretty much everything that you need to, to survive, all from, the, from just Band-Aids and regular uh, sprays for, uh, for cuts, all the way to an ammo bag and uh, breathers. Um, so, and everything in between. It, there's a lot in this thing. And this is going to go with us everywhere. It will be at the church, and then uh, it will also be used and, and go with us on our uh, on our outings in case of uh, injuries. Uh, and the other thing is a one touch ultra, two-blood-glucose glu- uh, monitoring system. Um, we could have used this a couple weeks ago, and and, and I don't think uh, uh, Bill Crawford will mind me telling the story. Um, but I wanted to bring this up, too, is how our security team actually has already worked in a very small way. But uh, a couple weeks ago, Bill was not feeling good and got real white and real weak and actually started slumping over in his chair. looked like he was in trouble. And uh, security, uh, I know Bob and myself picked up on it right away and uh, went to his aid. We got him some juice. Uh, we actually got him in the back. Kim was back there and got him some food. And the interesting thing was while I was doing the same thing Bob was doing, we scanned the audience and we looked for our nurses right away. And we found two of them. We found Beth Akers and Wanda Stevenson. So we already knew where they were. And if we needed them, we could get them like that. I didn't know he was doing it. He didn't know I was doing it. But just in the the verbal training that we've already had, he already knew what to do, Get get the ball rolling. Well, it ended up he was okay after the service. Uh, Beth came to me, and Beth said, hey, I saw what was going on. I was just waiting for you to call me because I had already talked to Beth, and she knew she was on our medical staff. So mentally, she was already prepared to deal with the situation if it got worse. Uh, further than that, Pastor Ken was preaching right in the middle of it. And he saw what was going on, and he told us afterwards. He said, I saw what was going on in the back of my father-in-law, He says, but I felt a little more at ease because I knew that it was being taken care of. That's the whole point of what we're doing here. It's not just about physical safety uh, and th- you know involving threats. It's about taking care of people. As little as this was, it had a, bit, a big impact. Pastor was able to continue preaching, uh, but the reason why I say that this will help in that he we could have got a, a quick check on this and have known right away where his blood sugar was. Nurse would have been able to read that and understand, and we could have dealt with this right away. So this is something else we're getting. Um, as I, spoke with, as I spoke before you can't have policies and procedures without individual tasks it just won't work um, your liability is, is much greater I'm going to skip over the security director's specific tasks um, and just go over a couple of, uh, of the tasks of the people that are involved in this let me get to it uh, Tracy Karakul runs our, our baby nursery, and she's in charge of, of that particular section. Now there are four rooms. and she's going to be in charge of an evacuation of that room. And I'm going to go real quick to let's see to hers. Okay, here's the evacuation plan. Baby nursery is where Tracy is. Um, if the alarm sounds, if she's heard over the radio and hear's evacuate the, evacuate the rooms, she's going to be in charge of these four rooms along with Cliff Banks, who will be going to double check and assist. Now, each one of these rooms have two or three workers, Sunday school workers. So they're also involved in this, of getting the proper, if it's winter time, grabbing the coats, getting the kids. And you can see right down the hallway, which is only about 20 feet, exit number one. And that ends up right into our parking lot where we always park, the main parking lot. Um, you can see that every, uh, every drawing is going to have two exits. We have exit number two in case exit number one would be uh, impassable, which I don't see how that would ever be. That's directly outside and only a few feet from their doors. Now, remember, we have two people checking this, so you don't have to worry as parents. You're gonna, your kids actually are going to get outside before you do because they're a lot closer to the doors. So Cliff has got that, Tracy's got that, um, Ken Akers is in charge of pod two which is one further down. It's not always used all the time. I believe during Sunday school, the uh, older kids, junior higher kids, are in some of these classrooms. But uh, Ken Akers is one of the teachers in there, and he's taken on the responsibility of getting those children out. Um, And we have Vince Musket, who is going to go around and check pod one, pod two, and pod three to ensure that everybody's out. We already have people that have gotten these people out because they're already (coughs) teaching with them. But he's going to make sure. We're double-checking everything. Um, Mike Garner and Ken Rapp are going to be in charge of Pod 3. This is in the back of the church, and maybe a lot of you haven't even gone here. There's a huge room. I don't even know what they call it in the very back. Yes. And this is the, they got the best spot in the whole place because there's a door right in the room that exits right directly to the outside. Now, this is on the far side of the building. So they have the farthest to walk. They're going to come out this exit, and they're going to have to go all the way around the building over to the other side to the parking lot because, again, everybody meets in the same place. So you get to see your kids right away. They're probably going to be there before you do. Um, And then, let's go back. This is our main church. And obviously, I drew these on my computer. They are not to scale, all right? But I wanted to make them simple enough that everybody could see exactly where we're going. This is our main meeting room, and we have the rest of our personnel, which is Todd Robbins, Jim Princeby, Eugene LaChapelle, Steve Guzzana, Jacob Bakers, and uh, that would be it. They're in charge of getting everybody else out. What they're going to do is they're very calmly going to be at the exits and not allow you to go through an exit you're not supposed to. They're going to very politely ask, ask you to go with everybody else because why? Your children are already taken care of, so you don't have to go looking for them. So you're going to exit out uh, the, the left corner up by the stage, and then there's about 15 feet to the exit uh, down the hallway, and you're right outside. Again, uh, when, we, when time permitting, and we're going to go around to the Sunday schools. You'll be able to look at these. We've got hard copies of them, and you'll be able to look at them more. Everybody has two exits, all of them, and they're double-checked. We have Once, once this is uh, cleared and once we got everything going, actually Bob Stepp, is in charge of going to the bathrooms and the hallways and double-checking. Now, on top of all those double-checks, um, you notice that my name's not anywhere and neither is, neither is Mike's. And um, that's because we're kind of o- overseeing everything. We will go to where, uh, where it's needed, and we're going to do our check, probably the last two out of the building uh, in, in any type of situation. So um, we're, probably, we're we're overseers of everything to make sure that there's not a problem. If there's a problem over here, we're going to direct our attention and calm things down, and we'll go from there. Um, so that is, uh, oh, I want to bring up Larry because Larry's here. Larry's our bouncer. Larry enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Larry even has a job. He is actually going to be escorting the majority of the people out through the parking lot. You're going to follow him across the parking lot where we park, to to the adjacent side. It's uh, the grassy area. But he's going to be reuniting families back together. And he's going to start a list. Cliff Banks will be out there soon after that and will be assisting there. And and also, they're going to be making lists. Who's missing? Um, Do you have all your family? All right, keep everybody here. And they're going to move on. And they're just going to keep everybody together. Because why? We don't want to interfere with the fire department, police department, and we don't want to be going scattering off because then when we start looking around And realize, hey, so and so was a church and I don't see him now. So now you're telling false information to the fire department, hey, there's still somebody inside. Now you're putting the fire department at risk. So we want to keep everybody together. That is it. I I sped through the last part. Again, I'll go back to I'm not a public speaker and I had no idea how long I would take to do this. Uh, And you guys, and you've been here for a long time today, so I didn't want to go. over this and, and go way above uh, three o'clock hour. But um, one of the things that I'd like to just end up with before, if there are any questions, is that uh, we need to stay educated. I've I harped on that and um, beware of our surroundings. Don't assume anything. You know, beware of your surroundings when we're out at our functions and there's other people. You don't have a controlled environment. Now, you know, when we're at our hayride, it's all of us together. We're just a church, big church family. It's a little bit easier. When we're at the uh, backyard fellowships, we're all together as a church community. You don't have to worry about those outside influences much. But when we're at the Labor Day picnic, should your guard be a little bit higher? Yeah, we can't control that scene. We can't control somebody coming up to our children that are in the parking lot or that are playing softball. So we have to be a little bit more vigilant. And uh, and just don't be naive about things. Um, it's... it's you know, you don't like to think about something that possibly could happen, but we definitely want to be prepared for it. Um, sorry about, uh, uh, again, speeding through that last portion of the uh, presentation. I wanted to take a little bit more time on that. But I want everybody to ep- I want to emphasize that we've done everything we can to think of every possible scenario. We've got a tornado drill, um, if a tornado, which is very likely in our area. We have the center area. Let me see if I can go back. I'll show you. All right. This is where our main meeting room is. Right out option number. The second option is where we have our cafe community. Right down this hallway at the teacher's lounge is the centermost part of the building uh, and the library. And if anybody's gone down there, you know this is the best place for a tornado. We went through, Mike and myself, uh, went through months ago and decided that was the best place. There is only two glass doors which is the library glass door. Everything else is sealed off. We can shut doors, and all you have is hard concrete walls, and there's enough room for the entire church and kids to be on, uh, on this wall right here and in this wall, and it connects up with the, it connects up with the kids' ministries. So like a little, a little box you can walk around. So we've even thought of that, uh, tornadoes. Fires, obviously, we've, we've gone over where everyone would be evacuated to the same central location, uh, lockdown procedures—we went over that. God forbid that never had to happen, but um, in a lockdown, obviously you're wondering, well, what do we do with all the people? In the—you can't lock them in the center section. You've got three, four exits actually. Um, that is a call that the security team would have to be made, um, getting people out or getting people into the, the kitchen area and shutting the door. Uh, again, with that—I mean, the likelihood of that happening is always very, very slim. It's more likely that we're going to need to use a defibrillator or the first aid kit. And we have those things in place. And we have uh, medical professionals that, that know that this is their ministry. And they're on top of it. It's not like we're going to catch them off guard. Um, as, my, as the little story went, Beth Akers knew, and she was mentally prepared to deal with what she had to if, she, if we needed to call her. So all the people that we're training, again, are, are going to be mentally prepared for a possible scenario. Hope we don't ever have to use it. But if we do, it's in place. Um, I know we're uh, out of time. Is there any questions I'll try to answer? All right, good.
0: Any questions for Wayne or for Mike? Okay. Thank you, sir. Well, I want to say a few things about uh, the presentation that uh, Wayne made. I appreciate it. One, just because of what it provides for our church in terms of just as much reassurance from a human standpoint as you could possibly have that we're covering the bases. And so the practical benefit of what you've done is of great value to us. But also, coupled with what David uh, did in the prior hour uh, and the work that he showed he's doing on the golf outing, it shows the kind of stuff that regular people in the church can do, that regular folks in the church can do if they're willing to prioritize uh, the Lord's work and putting time into it. You can see that uh, Mike and, and, and Wayne have put a ton of time into this stuff. And it's one of those support ministries. Remember I said support in the front line? This is support ministry in the extreme. Because it's support that you'll never know anything about, as he said, unless something bad happens. So he really hopes that you'll never have occasion to come and thank him for it. You know? But let's make sure we thank him for it anyway. You know, uh, before anything happens, and Lord willing, nothing does happen, but we do thank you, Wayne, for all the work you did with that. And uh, you said you weren't a public speaker, but I think you did quite well with uh, that. With all, all right. Thank you all once again. I said uh, what a great encouragement that uh, to me to have you all here to discuss these issues. And I hope you've come away with the uh, things that I mentioned to you. We, we buy into the vision that the Lord has given us for our church. We know that uh, we need to uh, recommit ourselves each to uh, to reaching our community, both in a personal and corporate way, and then just evaluate: uh, Am I doing all that I am able, able and capable of doing in my current circumstance to see that vision move forward? If you'll come away with that, then uh, it'll be a very profitable time for us. Okay, we'll uh, pray, commit uh, rest of the weekend to the Lord, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for this time that uh, we could have. Lord, I thank you again for your work in the hearts of your people such that you have, have caused them to see the value of your church and the mission that you've given to your church and their role within it. So much so that they've made arrangements to be here with the children and, and work and various <laughs> things in their schedule. I thank you, Lord, for them. And uh, I pray, Lord, that you would help each of us to take away from our time a renewed sense of the extreme significance what You've called us to do. And the great joy, Lord, that You afford us in being involved together in Your Word. Lord, we ask that You would allow us to move forward to the vision that we've laid out, going to to 2015. And we, we may not be able to accomplish all of those things. Without You, we can accomplish none of those things. But Lord, we would ask You to allow us to move in that direction. And be pleased to use our efforts and our gifts and our abilities to that end. Lord, we ask you to protect our church. It's your church. We ask you to protect it from harmful spiritual influence, uh, false teaching or disunity. The Lord, from uh, from harmful physical uh, influences as well uh, and, and, and disasters. But Lord, we thank you that you've given uh, a number of folks in our church the wisdom to help us to prepare for those eventualities as much as we can. But in all of it, we know that ultimately we're in your hand and there we love to be. We ask you Lord to go with us this day and we ask you for a great day with your people as we we celebrate your goodness to us on the Lord's Day. And uh, we ask you to bring us there safely. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.